Welcome to Baptist Vices. This podcast is designed to engage the Baptist community in challenging thought. We hope to not just promote negative propaganda that is raised against Baptist thought, but to biblically analyze some of these thoughts and provide biblical solutions. We hope you enjoy today's program. And now your host, Dr. Steve Dameron. Well, the doc is traveling. We're in Cleveland, hometown, with Wasam. I just realized I've been saying his name to everybody wrong. That's okay. All right, but I'm from Cleveland, so you get you get passes when you're from Cleveland because everybody's like, um, you don't, you weren't educated. You're um, a city yep. bumpkin. So yep. why don't you introduce yourself and then uh, even give a little bit of your background. Well, you got to be harsh on the A in order to have your old Cleveland accent back. So <laughs> it's with Sam. It's with Sam. Sam. Uh, but yeah, my name is with Sam Elrabadi. Uh, I'm from, uh, my family's from Jordan and Lebanon. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. My older sister actually was born overseas. Oh. And uh, we came from a uh, uh, two sides of uh, denominational Christianity. So it was uh, Roman C- Catholic on my mom's side, and then on my father's side, it was Greek Orthodox. And uh, they actually were saved overseas, and then when they came to the United States, they met a man planting an Arabic Baptist church. So that's the church I was saved in. It was uh, Pastor Kowaja, if you remember him. Oh, I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, so the, the Kowaja. So I was saved under his ministry. Um, and then just as time went on, uh, went through the public school system, and uh, I felt like uh, went to actually a secular college, and then after that, uh, the Lord uh, brought me into ministry, and, and here I am. Uh, I graduated from our Bible Institute at the Cleveland Baptist Church Heritage Baptist Institute, and now through a strange chain of events, uh, somehow I got signed up right. to be a youth pastor. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm just loving the ride, but right. I, I don't know what happened the night before that decision. Right. I'm okay with it. I love it. All right, so, and so how long have you been working with the teens here now? So this June will be officially eight years. Okay. Eight years, yeah. All right, and they say, so in, in youth ministry, when I taught it, I told them it usually takes six mm-hmm. to really establish, um, I would say, your presence. <laughs> yeah. So maybe around here it still takes eight. So we're, right. I'll, I'll tell you what happens after nine. So. Right. Uh, no, you're right. There's always a, a, a progression. Uh, you have to, of course, earn the respect. Yes. And uh, when you first initially take over, you know, it, you know, Pastor Pete Folger was the youth pastor before me, so you know he seems like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah right. So, and so big shoes to fill for sure. And then, uh, you know, you're around teens that they would have identified Pastor Pete as their youth pastor. Yeah. In fact, something uh, really wonderful happened just yesterday, where I was talking to one of our teens from our first year, and uh, it was our first class, and. Uh, they said to me, well, you were never my youth pastor. And I said, but I actually was for one year. They're like, no, Pastor Pete was. <laughs> so you know, clearly the, the clearly. market of influence yeah, yeah, was there. Clearly you were right. <laughs> oh, in 2015, 2006, big year. Yeah. All right, so we're our podcast is called Misconceptions About Youth Ministry. So our first misconception, I believe, is no, a youth pastor does not replace the parents. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've had any experience with that, but let's let's kind of uh, talk that through. Yeah, that's a, 
That's a great take. Um, so each youth group is different. Uh, yeah. So uh, I found out my first couple of years, and only recently this has changed, that most churches had Wednesday night youth group. Uh, we did not have Wednesday. It was always on a Sunday. Yeah. And But every other church we fellowship with, their main program was Wednesday. Uh, and in light of that, you find out that most youth groups are a little bit different. You know, so with ours, uh, ours has a, a whole group of counselors that have been there 15-plus years, some 20-plus years. Um, really, the Lord has blessed that faithfulness. It's really yeah. been an amazing thing. So uh, you'll develop relationships not just with the youth pastor but also with the counselors themselves who are in charge of a grade, you know, in particular yeah. for our ministry. Uh, so some of those relationships, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced this and uh, our counselors have experienced this, uh, they can get pretty tight. Yeah. And uh, there comes a point where you have to draw a line or say, listen, this is yeah, this is a decision between you and your parents. I, I, I can't be a part right. of this. Yeah. And and teenagers, there is, and I, th- I would say that those that work with youth, you have to be aware of this as far as the authority structure. Um, teenagers have a way of pitting authority against each other. Mm-hmm. It can happen in a home, yeah. you know, between mom and dad, but then you have to be careful because then they can, they almost have a way of, of um, buying you into it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting there talking and um, you you're almost feeling bad, you know, their parents must be just losers, you know. And and then you're like, wait a minute, you know, you talk about their parents. Yeah. And there's a God-ordained authority, and a youth pastor is not replacing that authority. But I know, like as a parent, as a parent, I enjoyed having a youth pastor, though. There's something, there's something about somebody else. Um, you're trying to help your young person grow. So having um, a godly influence is a huge, a huge step, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's a yeah, good step. I think the thing that can be uh, a risk is, especially if you're an empathetic youth pastor, yeah. and uh, you forget, you know, maybe your gift is grace and mercy, which is wonderful, yeah. but you might miss the fact that as they're telling you a story, there's a whole other side to their story. <laughs> you know, and uh, the second, you know, the the parent and the youth pastor, they're going in diff- different directions. That's a big problem. Yes, exactly. Problem. So make sure, uh, and I'm sure that that's one of the things that uh, I realized within the first couple of years of starting into youth ministry is I was thinking it was the teens. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, you know what? I need to start building relationship with the parents. Mm-hmm. And once I started building the relationship with the parents, it really helped out Yeah, with the with the flow. I, I accomplished a lot more in youth ministry when the parents and myself are working together. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's number one. Mm-hmm. All right, number two is, uh, all right, so this is a misnomer, misconceptions about youth ministry. And I don't know because if just being in eight years, you may not know this <laughs> historical I'm, thing. I'm still pretty raw. Right. I'm still pretty raw. Good churches are family Integrated churches. All right, so uh, do you know about that movement? I I don't know that I know what you're leaning at, right. uh, other than I'm just interpreting the words that you're saying. Family in- so there actually was a movement called the Family Integrated Church, FIC, uh, okay. Okay. in America. It's about 20 years ago. Okay. And um, there was a huge movement, basically anti-youth group. 
Okay. Um, there still is people that are anti-youth group. Um, I understand when they when I talk with them, the way they describe a youth group, I'm like, yeah, I'm against that. they're like you know what the teens come in and they're rocking and rolling and all this and i'm like yeah i'm against that Uh, i'm not for that um and so there was so so basically there was a group of uh churches that became the family integrated churches and you know everything was just family but the problem is that in scripture god established government he has stepped family, and he did establish the church. Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, there, you know what? There was no youth group. I'm like, yeah, but there's, I mean, there's no Sunday school either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, so I think we have to be careful that um, whatever church you go into, um, I, I, I don't have a problem sitting down and talking with the pastor, youth pastor, and saying, hey, so what about this or this or that? We're not trying to usurp the authority of the parents, but there is authority in the church too. Mm-hmm. And the way I always say it, because, you know, there used to be, there's there's uh, cliches that are out there. And one of the cliches that I always heard was duties never conflict. And when I was in ministry, duties always conflict. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all right, so I got to be here and here and here all in the same minute. Well, duties conflict but that's why biblically you prioritize. So what's the most important? Well, I'm not saying that the church and the family, right, so which one would be more important? I mean, h- how can you rate that? Yeah. But, but you've probably seen it. Some people are like, well, you know what? The, um, the church isn't going to step into my family business, and so then they're skipping Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I, but then, so I think it's a balance, mm-hmm. you know, between the youth ministry and the families. We're trying to work together. And if the the youth ministry, youth ministry is not trying to oppose the family, and the family needs to be careful because you shouldn't be opposing the youth ministry either. If, if so, then my recommendation is find another church. Right. Because what you're going to do for your kids is you're going to, you're going to teach them to undermine authority. And I've seen that happen. So I'm going to let you speak for a second here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. Um, so it, as a question of clarification, this particular movement, is that kind of where home church yes, would have started? Yes, some of them okay. and cell groups okay. and all that yeah, that kind of came out of that. Uh, I started thinking about this a couple of years ago, and I'm sure you've thought this through as well, but the three God-ordained institutions are church, family, government. Yeah. And... Uh, they really shouldn't be in conflict with each other. Yeah. And they really shouldn't try to be each other. Yep. Because the second a church tries to act like your sole government mm-hmm. and your only family, well, that's pretty weird. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And then if your family tries to act like, you know, I, we're the pastor of this, fa- of this yes. church, and also we usurp the government. And likewise, if, if mm-hmm. the, at the creepiest of all, if the government tries to be your family and yes. the government tries to be your church then all of them go horribly wrong. Yes. But in their own right, they're wonderful. So and they work right. Yeah, so I get what you're saying. Stay, stay in your realm yeah. of authority. And what's interesting is throughout history, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. All right, you see the government mm-hmm. try to take over everything, or you see churches 
So actually, that uh, just recently I was studying that, you know, being in the seminary now, yeah. you know, I, I get the opportunity to kind of dive into different things. So um, there was the, I think they call it the restoration movement. So the restoration movement started in the 70s, uh, late 60s, uh, 70s, and it's still going. But what their thought for America is that the government, it's the government's job to basically bring revival. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, so you'll even see that. There's almost, um, there's a group, but some of them are cults, but they almost think of the Constitution on the same level as the Bible. Mm. Which you're like, woo, no. All right. Yeah. So, but what we have to be careful of is in youth ministry is everybody stay in your realm. So the family stay in their realm, the church stay in their realm. And you'd say, so do they overlap some? I'm, I'm thinking they will. Mm-hmm. But then let's be godly mm-hmm. and Christian about it. And that's what I've seen sometimes. Sometimes on both sides, people aren't godly about it. Yeah, the lack of balance can be. Yeah, the lack of So balance. Balance is one thing that I think is so needed mm-hmm. in Christianity. Amen. All right, so we got our third one. I, <laughs> this is my fun one, and we're doing pretty good on time. See, okay. look at that. Um, so I, we had the misconception that, no, a youth pastor does not replace the parents. <laughs> Secondly, good churches are family-integrated churches. Uh, well, we're not – there should be families in churches, but yeah. we're not saying that if your church has a youth ministry, that they're heathen. Right. Okay. Third, <laughs> I love this. Teenagers are subhuman. Oof. Right. Which I don't know. I've met some. Very political question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in your experience um, in working with young people, uh, what have you found? So I, I heard a, a good line on parenting kids. Right, yeah. So not specific to teens, but they said kids are wet cement. And so whatever yeah. you imprint into them, yeah, that's what they'll end up being. Yeah. So if you think of teens that way, that they're still moldable, they're still yeah. cooking in the kiln, so to speak. Yeah. Then uh, you'll have the a little modicum of grace for them and mercy that yeah. they would need to to grow. Uh, but uh, as far as being subhuman. They <laughs> seem to have pulses, right? Uh, they they seem to uh, have personality. As far as you know, yeah. as I've as I've come down to come down to these earthlings here, as we right? Know. Uh, but uh, and all kidding aside, uh, they're wonderful. Uh, yes, they're they're people. They're created yeah. in the image of God. Uh, they have free will and ability to choose. It's it's not like we get saved for them. Uh, they they get saved. They make a decision all their own to accept Christ. So yeah. If, if someone has ability and autonomy to, to make choice, then, I mean, a level of respect should be leveled their way for sure. Uh, you know, I, we always want them to be perfect. And this, I think this is the standard, is if they're not socially uh, operating at 100%, and if yep. they're not uh, academically operating at 100%, and 100% work ethic, well we, well, we forget that they are kids still cooking. They're, they're, they're wet cement still drying, if you yep. will. You know, but at the end of the day, they, they're true people with true opinions. And I, and I do think it, it comes down to another balance uh, point again, is if we treat them 
like second-class citizens, we shouldn't be surprised in 10 years they consider us second-class citizens yeah. and when they don't want to come back to church. Right. But at the same time, if we treat them as if they're five-star uh, Christian, <laughs> you know, yeah. they have everything down the line, well, there's there's a missing piece, so to speak. So yep. definitely grace and truth needs to be leveled their way with a right amount of respect. Yep. So my, my final challenge, mm-hmm. I'm going to... Uh, use two verses. First Timothy four twelve. It's one of my favorite. Let no man despise thy youth. So that's one place that the word youth is used. And then Ecclesiastes twelve one. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And so my challenge to guys listening, and if you're working with youth, uh, point them to Christ. I'm I'm so glad that I had people that pointed me to Christ when I was a youth. Amen. And good examples. Amen. And um, yeah. I'm glad I had people that gave me some grace. <laughs> right. right. Um, can I add one thing? Yes, go ahead. All right. So I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was in a conversation with some uh, friends, and, and there were there other youth pastors, and they were talking right. about um, what, what would be a good tip or good techniques or what do you want people to know from your youth minute. Everyone had really great right. lines, and they're wonderful. Um, I think I had the most... Like, very old-fashioned, uh, very simplistic. They're like, that's lame. Uh, yeah, uh, there was no technique. There right. was no methodology. It was get a Bible, open it, and do what it says. Yes. And I, I do think a lot of complicated things would be resolved that way. Oh, I know. Yeah, rather than, you know, okay, the Bible says love thy neighbor, and you really hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of supposed to love your neighbor. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. change there. Uh, if you're supposed to... Uh, attend church, and the Bible says very specifically not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You open up the book, you read it, right. and you just obey what it says. Yeah. So I, I do think you know, as we get further in, in youth ministry, uh, techniques and uh, almost philosophical trends are, are starting to get uh, almost complicate something so easy, right? as simple as just opening the Bible and doing what it says. Yes, and, and, and it's amazing because young people, young people can understand those simple things. Absolutely. And let them do it, let them grow, and let them blossom. You taught our Bible class earlier today. I did. Yeah, they were good kids. Right, and they were. And they even had questions. Go Unbelievable. <laughs> that's Go what figure. was nice. And that's what I appreciated, that they had questions. And and what I was just trying to get them to see is just being faithful. And I think that's one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. It's that faithfulness. Because we, uh, we have this idea of grandeur. But really, God just says, just be faithful. And I, I'm glad for guys, you know, I'll come back through through the walls and through the hallways here, and I'll see guys that have just been faithful. And that encourages me. Amen. So, Can I ask you a question? All right. All right, so in the same vein, as does the youth pastor replace the parents? Because resounding right. no, if any of our parents are listening right, right, right yes. So, uh, I have a parenting question. Parenting right. slash family question. All right. Should you love your wife more than your kids? Oh, ouch. All right, so. I've thought about this for a couple of years. All right, so good. All right, so my first re, my first response, which, you know, sometimes that could be good, but my first response is yes. Yes. Because there's nobody. Well, and it's funny because my kids laugh about this because um, I would uh, almost, almost every year, so this is the tip for people out there, Almost every year, I would tell them, hey, I'm going to try to take mom out for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. 
and we would try to get away. And I'm like, oh, you got to have a babysitter. And I'm like, yeah. I said, hey, just so you know, mom was here before you. Amen. And she's going to be here after you. And I kind of like her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that um, it is true. And I think the Bible bears that out. Yeah. I, I'm basically there. Yeah. I'm basically there. And I asked Pastor Pete this question. And and he, he turned it around, as he tends to. He's, he's a lot smarter than uh, me. Uh, yeah, he, he made it make sense. Uh, he said they don't have to be in conflict with each other. Oh, yes. And I thought true. that was really And hard. they don't. Right. But uh, but I wanted my kids to see that. Um, and, in fact, especially my boys, I sat them down <laughs> a number of times. And I noticed that there was some friction. And I said, hey, you're not going to. I said, I know she's your mom, mm-hmm. but she's my wife. Amen. And you're going to honor her. And I, I think they, in your home, they have to see that too. And that bears well. And, and actually, I have two, I have two son-in-laws. And, um, and I'm, I'm happy about how they treat my daughters. Mm. Because they have that same idea. They, like, they just love their wives. And, um, and just in hearing them talk, it's just, it's a good relationship. And I'm happy for that. Because... Um, that the marriage is something that is what I say. I remember teaching this, and when I was studying it to teach and present it to people, the marriage is the first relationship, not the kids. That's right. So um, some people concentrate on the kids, but they forget. You know, hey, we, we've got to have a good relationship, and so uh, it's really important. So, good question, man. You put me on the spot. Sorry to do that. But I, I think I might have answered it right. Question. You did. Whew. Whew. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your time. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Sam. That's right. Well, Sam. <laughs> I did it right. Thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Thank you for listening to Baptist Vices. We trust you were challenged to find a biblical path for navigating through some differences within Baptist churches. Join your host, Dr. Steve Dameron, next week for another engaging podcast. May God richly bless you.